Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 39. Today's guest is Thomas Keenan from FFC Park Ridge. Thomas is a personal trainer, an awesome human being, has a lot of cool stuff going on, and this was a, a super fun conversation. It went kind of all over the place in a wonderful way. I'm very excited for you to listen to Thomas talk. Before we get to that though, let's talk about a few things in the world of Fury. The Fury Crew class crew is growing over in Brooklyn, so if you want to join us for classes at Fury Industries in the Gowanus South Slope area of Brooklyn, New York, head on over to CoachFury.com. You can also find out information there about personal training or online coaching and any of my upcoming courses. Hey, courses. Hey, Fury, what courses do you have coming up? I'm glad you asked. July 15th, the HKC One Day Kettlebell Certification hits MFF Bowery in New York City. There are plans in the works in August for a DVRT four-hour workshop at Brooklyn Health and Performance. Stay tuned for the date on that. And then DVRT returns to MSC Strength in Weymouth, Mass. Thank you, Tina and Tim, uh, for the DVRT Level 1 and Level 2 certification. So you can sign up for Level 1 and Level 2 or just Level 1. Or if you're already certified Level 1 and haven't done Level 2, you can also just sign up for Level 2. So you've got options there. Again, all this information, visit CoachFury.com. More stuff lining up. Die Mighty Workshop's going to hit in October, uh, filling out the last half of this year. Very excited about the stuff's coming on. Thanks for everybody for hosting and, and uh, having us out. Without further ado, though, enough about me. Enough about me. Everyone, Thomas Keenan. Dude, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for yeah, coming on. This will be fun, yeah. Uh, sure. I, I've I've been wanting to have you on and I've been trying to find like, uh, what's the right time to have it, to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And I go through these wrestling binges, right? So we've yeah. talked about wrestling a little bit and I go through these binges. It's like, it's like every like two to three years, uh, I don't watch wrestling currently, but every two to three years I get this itch about like ECW wrestling. I was really big in ECW wrestling, extreme championship wrestling. As we all I were. Well, you know, like, I don't know. Was everybody, I guess, at a certain point, I definitely was late to it. So I'm not trying to play, like, uh, like any sort of old school. Like, I never got to see them, uh, you know, back in the Elks Lodge or in Philly. Yep. But I, I got to see a couple of the last shows at the Hammerstein. But, like, I had a tape collection and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and I found myself going through one of my binges of it where I rewatched the DVDs that I have. And now, thanks to YouTube, sometimes I don't even think, like, YouTube has this archive now. I started watching shoot interviews. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listeners, a shoot interview is when a wrestler talks about things real. Like, so it's not part yeah. of the storyline. It's like not a, what do they call it? Kayfabe. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's actually real. And then I'm like, this is the time. It's time to have you on this <laughs> podcast. How you been, man? Uh, good. I'm working at a gym called the Fitness Formula Club in Park Ridge. So it's a suburb just outside of Chicago. And I'm just doing that. It's been a good time. Uh, they opened the club at the end of 2016. So I've been there since we opened. I had some interesting stuff, kind of going with my last professional match uh, uh, that I almost got out of being a trainer. And then I got this opportunity. And now, yeah, things are going good, probably better than ever. <laughs> uh, well, let's go into this. So I trolled you a little bit, and mm -hmm. I saw the picture of FFC. Is, is that whole building the facility? Yeah. It's Holy. a big – yeah, it's crazy. I think it used to be a used car lot. Um, so it's, we have 
a turf area where we actually have, I counted yesterday, six sleds in it, which I think is kind of crazy for any gym. Um, we have a bunch of lifting platforms, lots of the cardio equipment, selectorized machines. We got stuff upstairs. There's a spa. There's a pool on indoors for people to do kind of like more Olympic style stuff. Um, and then also there's one, there's two bars in the gym because, or in the club, because that's how things work in Chicago. Wait, and like if, booze bars or juice bars? Uh, booze bars. <laughs> the last two gyms I've worked on were last two clubs. They like to, uh, you know, trying to be a little more PC. Um, that's not politically incorrect by any means, but they've both had like IPA, like kind of cute, like beer bars. So there's one outdoors in the summer with like a pool that kids aren't allowed in. And then kids are allowed in the one inside. So yeah, it's a really cool spot. And Again, lots of cool stuff. We're get, starting to host continuing ed. Like uh, the stick mobility guys are coming in September, I believe. So have you have you done that program yet? No, that'll be the first time. My buddy Ray Weaver, who's a trainer at the club, I had to like twist his arm really hard to get an Instagram. And then once he got one, it was his favorite. It's now his favorite thing ever. <laughs> so he got really into their stuff. And like just kind of the way, you know, like we kind of look at things, I think it could be really helpful and like, obviously with mobility hence the name but just the patterning of different or the ways to uh pattern different movement patterns isometrically i think would be really valuable and that's kind of where i'm seeing where i'll fit it into my programs but then i'll actually do it and maybe we'll go in a completely different direction i've heard really good things about it but i haven't been exposed to it too much can, can yeah we, i see can we chat after oh yeah for sure after you i've seen a lot of people um I feel like every kin stretch and like stick mobility guys in New York. So like, uh, uh, it'll be cool to get some people in the Midwest doing it. So I'm looking forward to that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm try- I-, I find myself having to be very selective and I don't mean this in an ego way thing at all. I'm very selective with the continuing ed that I go to mm-hmm. because lately I've been teaching a lot of courses. So my weekends at home are, I, I really try to dedicate that to Kim and the kids. For sure. And then, but I still want to go out and teach stuff because I know, or, or learn stuff. Uh, yep. It, it, it's but, an element that I miss of traveling to go teach. Even if it's in New York, sometimes I find myself hamstrung and then I go and I do it. And I'm like, oh, I miss going to things. Yeah. That's one of the things I talk to young trainers, especially when stuff's in house, um, because it will be at our club. I'm like, I've, I've been to a lot of workshops. I've been to a lot of certifications and there's not many I've gone to and been like, oh, I regret that. You know, like. So I'm like, you always like feel good. But even when you teach stuff, especially with the groups you're involved with DBRT and uh, RKC, like even though you're instructing, you're probably learning stuff from the other instructors too. So you're all, we're always kind of learning, you know? It's so true. And some of the best cues I've ever picked up, I picked up from like attendees, whether I was teaching mm-hmm. or if I was an assistant instructor at the time. And sometimes it's just going through you know, you go through the man, I go through my manuals every time I teach, I study before I go. And, um, you know, I work on my technique before I, you know, before I teach as it comes up. So I just, I always try to stay sharp. And I just taught an RKC two, which I've only taught two of them as a master instructor. I've assisted at a number of them. And in the process of going through my own training, and then even in the process of demoing and talking about some of the drills, I'm like, they're part of my warmups again now that haven't been in, yeah. in years. Like, I'm like, Oh, People brighter than I really put some quality stuff together. <laughs> hey, go with, figure. W- without naming a system or whose workshop it was, have you ever had a, a, a workshop that you've gone and you were like, 
this was not worth my time or my money? Oh man. Uh, maybe one or two. There was one where a guy was like, I'm not going to cr- critique anything or say anybody's wrong. And then he just started throwing people under the bus, like <laughs> left and right. And I was like, well, that's the exact opposite of the words you said earlier. Um, and I like, had he just not said those and, there's so much hypocrisy in ev- in everything in life. And I'm trying to become more okay with it. And I'm doing a little bit better on staying neutral. And that's just how people communicate. Um, but when I was younger, I was not like that at all. So uh, th- yeah, maybe one or two. But usually I feel like you get something out of everything. Yeah, I can't say that I've been disappointed. I think sometimes there's sometimes like there's a diminishing point of return where you're like, as you've been a trainer for a little while, you're like, Oh, I have a, I have a grasp on, I already have a grasp on like maybe like 90% of it. The workshop's worth the 10%, but it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. the same feeling as when like something was like all new. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, for sure. So those are the moments, but I haven't had, but I have heard of people like every now and then, and and I'll never, you know, name the names or anything, but like somebody will come up to me at a course and they'll be like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm really glad I'm taking this. Like, you know, whether it's, well, it's usually like a kettlebell thing where I took this kettlebell thing with so-and-so back in the day. And they're like, yeah, I really had a bad experience. And, uh, and folks, this isn't like a a branding battle or anything. Yeah. This is just like instructor, like somebody no matter what initials you have, uh, you could either teach very well or teach very poorly. And sometimes um, it's on any given Sunday, like you just might have a bad day too. But that seems to be the one where they're like, so-and-so had us do this, or this was the way. And, you know, then I end up in that weird position sometimes of like, well, that's not how I would have done it. But yeah. And we, as we grow, we kind of learn that, um, you know, because maybe somebody was there that weekend at the very same weekend, the person had a bad experience, had a great experience, and then they're able to help a bunch of people. So kind of just staying that's I'm just trying that people are like, Oh, you're really positive. And I was like, ah, I don't really take myself as a very positive person. I've tried to change that. Well, actually I'm not really trying to <laughs> you tried to change that. that. You tried to become a very negative person. I try to be a very, like, I'm just constantly trying to be neutral. So like when I give advice and stuff, I was like, this is what I would do. If you don't do that and it works, you, you know, like for whatever you're trying to accomplish, that's correct. Like you don't have to do things like me. And with younger trainers, that sometimes confuses them. Um, but and if they do do it the way I do and it works, that's also awesome. But I try not to like like a really quick thing. Yesterday, I saw my one client, um, her husband, and he was uh, he was doing like leg extension or something, and he was like, uh, he was like, oh, you know, insert name was like she wants her arms to look a little better, and we're rehabbing her from like a hip thing and this, this, and that. And when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, I'd get like so angry inside. And I'd be like, she shouldn't be doing that anyways. And da, da, da. And now I'm like, well, I can have her do like half kneeling curls. Like it's not going to, you know, like we could still get some hip stability. Maybe her arms would be better. Maybe she'll just know that she's doing curls. So she'll think her arms are better. And that's all we need anyways. Um, so, yeah. So I've calmed down quite a bit. You talking about the letters behind our names made me laugh because definitely between professional wrestling and being a personal trainer i have a, a my life has been surrounded by acronyms since i was 16 years old <laughs> and like probably more so than every human being so let, let me ask you this what what is driving you was there an incident that decided for you to like let let me try to become more neutral in tone as opposed to feeling more positive or negative on on, on a thing certainly like we think about negativity as like often we try to yeah. like, you know, deal with the negative aspects. 
But what what is what spurred you to try to even like kind of level out the positivity? Uh, the book that really got me kind of thinking this way, because it's kind of all connected to stoicism, I believe, uh, was The Antidote by Oliver Berkman. And uh, that was a really good one. I think uh, Kyle's a big fan of it. And he just talks about, like, it's, it has a really cute tagline, like positive thinking for people who hate positive thinking or something like that. You know, that makes no sense. But there were just a bunch of examples in there, like that, um, for example, like if someone comes to you and they're like, I'm, and I talk to trainers about this all the time, uh, just with like goals with like uh, clients, like, but the one was, if someone comes to you and they're like, I'm going to lose my job and you say, there's no way that'll happen. Well, now if it does happen, you just made that worse than their minds. So like, it's just like, well, if it, if it does happen, you'll figure it out. Like nobody, people get other jobs, you know, like, you know, you'll figure your life out figure out those first steps. And then just, you know, that was a problem I think I have because I overthink a lot. So I would think about that one bad thing that could happen. And I would come up with like 50 steps after that bad thing would happen. And then it wouldn't happen. And I just wasted a bunch of mental energy coming up with these plans and not feeling very good about myself. Um, I don't know how I came about it last year, but The Power of the Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. Um, I don't, I don't know why I found that book. Uh, I really dug it. He has a lot of books and it's just it very much like on affirmations, and all that type of stuff, mm -hmm. which I didn't really believe in at the time. Now I definitely do. Um, it was helpful. Uh, that was just good because I had a lot like an interesting childhood and I not very confident person. And then it was, I just figured that's how, who I am. Or like, I would like, if somebody had like, somebody who just everything good happens for them. I'd get angry about that. I could actually take this back. I had an ex-girlfriend who um, works at Lincoln Park Zoo and I, we were talking, we got coffee to one day and I was like, how'd you get that? She's like, oh, I just was drunk one night and decided I wanted to work at the zoo. <laughs> I was like, how do you do that as a human being? I want to do a lot of things, but that doesn't mean any of them are going to happen, but that's my mindset towards things. So I just started kind of reprogramming my subconscious mind at, I think. And that book by Joseph Murphy, and then it kept popping up in other books, similar um, strategies. So all his books are pretty similar. Um, I've read like four or five of them. There's, they're about a hundred pages. So it's like a quick read and a kind of like a good, good refresher. Uh, he talks a lot about God, which I'm cool with. Some people might not be, but even if you think of it as some type of like universal consciousness rather yeah. than just like a religious thing, it might be helpful. Um, then I read the psychology of training by Brian Tracy. And that was a recommendation from a guy named Conrad Thompson, who has a really good wrestling podcast called something to wrestle with, with Bruce Pritchard. It's really popular. Yeah. You would love it. Cause it's all, like the last episode was like three hours on the British bulldog. I, I just finished listening to a uh, big show Q and a on stone colds podcast today. Yeah. Dog. <laughs> So, I just watched uh, a video of Big Show punching Edge in the face, and I was like, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. A 500-pound guy's finishing move is just punching people <laughs> in the face. <laughs> it took him like 15, 20 years to figure it out, but that is the perfect move for him to do. <laughs> well, going back to what you were talking about, I know for myself, one of the big things that I think hit me, I guess finding fitness was part one, and I guess, well, becoming a dad was probably part one. Okay. Finding fitness was part two. And then MFF was definitely part three oh, yeah. of 
I run negative and I realize it. Like my baseline is I think I'm a pretty caring person. I'm a pretty sensitive person, but I'd easily be one of those like all people suck kind of people unless you're- Yeah, yeah, for sure. Circle. Like I definitely run, you know, duh, Coach Fury. I, I run, I tend to run hot. Um, I still think you're the most warm, like for, <laughs> I, I, I talked to Mark. I'm like, how is he Coach Fury? He's the nicest guy on earth, but everyone tells me that. <laughs> you gotta, and, and nobody's really seen- when I've had a flare up, when, <laughs> when it hits, but it's also you know, very I, Bruce Banner of you. I, I will admit that. Yeah. I'm angry all the time, uh, which is less, less and less true actually. And that's largely mm-hmm. thanks to MFF, but you know, I, I, I can run really deep inside my own head. I, I can feel, you know, appreciate all my failures and fears as opposed to like the things I've actually accomplished. And I'm uh, folks, I, I'm, I'm much, I mean, I'm not, quote unquote healed at the moment, but like I'm I'm so much of a better balanced yeah. being right now. But like that's where I would go. It's like somebody and I were talking about using like, you know, have I ever tripped, you know, and asked for something. I'm like, hell fucking no, because I know like the moment I I swallow, I am gonna like freak myself out because I do what you do. I will go 50 stages down, like skateboarding for a long time. I lost the joy of it. Because I was, yeah. I, I was like, okay, well, if I do this, I could fall and hurt myself this way, this way, and this way, and then I won't be able to teach this, this, and this, as opposed to just like living my life. Like it was a weird yeah. thing that I've had to come to terms with. And then, you know, I was sort of coming out of it. Then I hit this Graves disease with the hyperthyroid and that shook me pretty big. And then I just went, I'm in the process of going through like another round where it was hyper and then the medicine took me too low. So I was like super sluggish, didn't want to lift, eating like shit. Like I can make yeah. all the self-determination theory excuses for myself. I, yeah. I'm aware of that now I'm, as I come through it. Um, side note, the trending picture of Jet Li looking like an ancient old man thanks to hyperthyroidism is not making me feel good about my hyperthyroidism. I just saw that on Facebook <laughs> and I didn't click on it. So I, now I, I can't, spoiler I, alert. I can't tell if it's true, if it's a real pick or not. Apparently it is. But, uh, you know, Jet Li's like in his 50s and he looks like a very old man. And they're saying that it's largely due to his hyperthyroid. Now, nobody's told me that that was going to be a side effect. I don't know if I have the same type of hyperthyroid, but um, that was a little one where I'm like, you've also been on way less expendable now. missions. So you don't have that stress all built up either. So that mm-hmm. helps. This is very true. This is very true. But you know, I've tried to foster the positivity side. Um, and, and then in addition into doing that for me, I had to actually make that real. Like I had mm-hmm. to like try to justify like that, that, that this allow myself to be like, this is who I am now as opposed to just trying to be Mr. Positive, like there's yeah. just that wall and it hit. And then, but it's been interesting to reevaluate like my time away from the clubhouse uh, from MFF. I, I found it a little easier to slip into the dark side. But then when I went back to, you know, to help out part-time um, towards the, at the end of last year, like November to January, yeah. it was interesting coming back and having like my MFF experience, my post MFF experience, and then being back again, I think in a way more is just like the most evolved version of myself so far up until mm-hmm. that moment. And what I, you know, what I thought was clearly great positives, but there was also, it was easier for me to assess what I, what I didn't necessarily agree with and not necessarily with the business practices or anything, but like what I, how I want to cultivate differences within, you know, my group, the Fury crew here, mm-hmm. um, whether it's emotional support or how we sort of foster, uh, but I've never thought about the only thing that I've thought about leveling out in terms of a more neutral thing is trying to balance my ego 
okay. within this whole concept because um you know I, I i'm very i mean it seems i get my fucking names on the podcast right so it's like very <laughs> podcast i got a nickname uh I, trademark pending you know yeah i was uh when you asked me for that picture and i sent that one of me doing uh uh, one arm leg raise and you're like ah show off <laughs> i was like my second idea was uh a picture i just took of me with my blonde hair with my other face in the background where i looked like a year and a half ago and i was like what's more vain me doing a weird <laughs> move or a picture that's actually two pictures of me <laughs> i was just busting your chops with that because i want to talk about that picture actually uh, yeah. just in terms of like my my reflection of you or impression of you um and how you train but so you know i'm trying to i'm trying to balance all this out and you know I, i'm trying to get this business to grow fury industries from home aka the speakeasy of strength and it's difficult because <laughs> it's literally in my apartment you can't just walk in um you know you have to sort of email me directly or go to my site to reach out to me and trying to leverage in you know i'm not looking to compete with the gym down the street right like yeah someone freaked out there's a big there's a big crossfit that's going to open up i don't know when uh at the end of last year um they said it was going to open up like the beginning of this year and it's still not open but it's a it's going to be a big spot and it's literally two blocks away and people are actually freaking out i'm like no because i don't i don't want a crossfit i i don't it's i don't want a big crossfit crowd i yeah. want 30 to 50 Fury crew members. And, you know, the things that made me feel a little alienated or the things that, or maybe probably what made me fit in so well at MFF is like, if you can pick a favorite weed and show, if you can, you know, talk about ECW wrestling, if you can talk about, you know, 80s, 90s punk rock, you know, let, let, like, like, like real punk rock. Misfits, yeah. We, yeah that's where we're going. You know, like, like uh, you're going to feel good here, right? And that, those are the people I want. Yeah. But in trying to draw that tribe outside of the people that are referring over, it's weird because it's like, I, you know, I do I, you know, I just posted something yesterday where I leveraged one of my titles, you know, like come and learn from the only master RKC in New York. Now that's a fact and I should be proud of it. But I also yeah. sound like a douche when I list my titles off. Yeah. Uh, so the one book that I listened to, and it's on YouTube, it's called Reality Transurfing. It's by a Russian physicist uh, named, I believe, Vadim Zelin. It's on as an audio book for free and there's ads. So I think that's how he's getting paid. It's not on iTunes or anything, but they talk a lot about like how our thoughts materialize our realities and we just have to be in tune with them. But they, one of the big things, and I have examples of this in my life, they talk about is excess potential where we make things almost too important and doing so the universe has to balance it out. So like we don't have those things, uh, so I was, I mean, I've thought about different times where I've had like crushes on girls and I'm like, oh, if I only have this girl, like life will be this and that and that. And it's like, in reality, we would probably just be two human beings who would have fun. She wouldn't change me. I would be the same Thomas. She would be the same insert name. But like, um, you make these things up and like, they've never, like whenever I've had like a real crush, like I've never like, we've never gone on dates. Like there's been some weird, but then uh, with three or four of them, like, three two three years later we'll go like we'll see each other for a while and it's like well they probably thought i was attractive then but whatever i put out towards them made them too important to my life and then it had to be balanced out a certain way i think it's the same way when like you're like oh i need money i need money and you're kind of reminding yourself you don't have it so so true so true yeah so like and like and i was thinking about just like um like with your business and people comparing it to like a CrossFit, like to you, like um, I always talk with like the young trainers at the gym. I'm like, 
if you get a new two day a week client, that's eight more sessions a month. That's a lot, you yeah. know, like, and so it's like, if you're at 40 and you want to be at, you know, like you're thinking like, I need 44 new sessions. It's like, ah, oh, you need like five or six people and maybe they'll come over the next month or two, but if they don't, you're still making like a good amount of money, you know? Um, I think people get too freaked out and think they have to move further than they have to a lot. Uh, when it's like for, I mean, how many members at a CrossFit gym compared to like, you're like, if I had 50, that would be like your end goal. You know, like that would be like, you'd be like, Oh, we're fucking crushing it. Completely. Oh, can I swear? Yes. You can totally swear. Okay. Hey everybody. Mary, we, we've been recording and I haven't introduced Thomas Keenan. Everybody welcome to the show, bro. Hey, yeah. We're doing good. <laughs> this is fun. Um, uh, it, it's true too. The other thing is, is like, and, and, you know, late, lo- lately in Brooklyn, and especially in my area, and, and the, so I'm in Gowana, South Slope, and in Park Slope, um, a gym that I, I started at and that I started was trying to build a program, almost rented space from closed. My friend Brian's gym closed. Another friend sort of floating around. And so I, I'm in an area where a lot of stuff's shutting down. Yeah. And everyone's like, you know, blaming, you know, Blink and Crunch and all that stuff. And to a degree, yeah. I mean, it's like when you, when you over, when you, when you're underpriced stuff and you have a business model that can actually take a hit, right? Some of these businesses are okay to run in a negative because as yeah. a collective, they're still in the overall positive, right? Just having yeah. ownership of this space is worth slight loss. But I, I'm fully of this belief that, well, you know, like, yeah, there's competition, but you know, there's a lot of people that need fitness. So yeah, maybe I wouldn't be stoked if like another RKC hard style ultimate sandbag guy, you know, opened up right across the street from me. But overall, like that person's going to have their own personality, their own yes. programming, their own draw. Let them find the people that are cool with them. And I'll have the people that are cool with me. And I really believe that because the ultimate goal is, is like to get people healthy. And there's a lot of people that need to be healthy. Yeah, there's really no real com- like people talk about competition, but we're there's only one of us. So like really the only way we in, we can have all the certifications in the world, but the way we can communicate to people's um, unique to ourselves, the way we teach things is unique to ourselves. So like, I don't really like when I see people at the gym, like get clients or not get clients and I'm doing well, so it's cool, but I'm never like, Oh, I should have that person. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, I'll train other people. And I do a similar thing with, um, younger I I help mentor a little bit over there and I'll talk to people about like if someone doesn't sign up and it's like well they just didn't that doesn't mean they're a bad person and they might in the future with you but if you put that like negative energy towards something that's already done it's not going to help you with the next person you meet with just be like you know I, I had one lady um and it's like, we met last year and with the membership, I think they're changing it, but people got four or even five like complimentary sessions, which is awesome. Cause like I can do an entire assessment day one day. And then like, it's not just like, here's an hour now this, you know? So I had this one lady and we did like her complimentary sessions. We did like three in February and then she disappeared for a while. And her husband trains with my friend and he's really nice. And then she did two more in May and then she disappeared. And I was like, I think she, I, I like, I know she likes me. I know, like, I know she likes what we're doing. I'm like, I can't be angry about this. And I got promoted in the fall and I wrote her a thing like, Hey, if you want to buy training at this price, like you can do it till this date. And she was just like, Oh, congratulations. And nothing else. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I know I could, you know, I was like, she's still very nice. I still like her. And then finally in January, I wrote her, I was like, Hey Susan, would you be interested in doing this? And she was like, Absolutely. 
And so it was like 11 months and I didn't put any stress on it. Sending emails is really easy. So like every like three or four months, just like this place in particular compared to a lot of the gyms I've worked at is like, got me more thinking, okay, like I have these like leads quote unquote, you know, and it's like that just because they didn't buy training eight weeks after they, we met doesn't, or after they joined the club, doesn't mean they won't in the future. So I've kept a good mindset. Like when people um, don't want to train at a time, like not like writing them off or being like, Oh, well, they're going to this and this uh, and they're going to get hurt, which is like the shittiest thing you could say about anybody. I don't most people don't wish that on humans. So that's good. You know, it's funny though, when people are like, they'll be back to me when they're hurt. You know what I mean? Like when someone goes and travels off, I hate that fucking shit. And it it, like, uh, and I feel one thing that gets me very similar, but like, I remember Paul George broke his leg in the uh, basketball game. I think it was the Olympics, but it might've been just like the world championship. And somebody, I saw this guy like tweet, like, well, it'd be better for the bulls next year then. And I was like, you have never played like go fuck yourself like you have never played sports or like known what it's like you know like and with wrestling a lot of it's like we're trying not to hurt each other for the most part and but make it look like we are and we still get hurt but like for somebody to just i don't know like celebrating like pain i don't see the point of even with like fighters in ufc they're not trying to kill the other guy they just want to win when they win they stop it's over you know there's no like Obviously, it's an aggressive sport, and there has to be kind of an uh, interesting instinct, and there has to be, you know, but, like, they're not trying to, like, any other guy's career, so. Yeah, it, it's I, – I, I think if we all just focused on the positives and, and what we offer versus what someone else offers, yeah. you know, and, and how we're better than – I mean – you know, it, it, it's, you know, I went through business for unicorns, their, their startup boot camp thing. And, and just this idea of, of benefits as opposed to features, like mm-hmm. everyone can list off the fucking features, but what's the real benefit? Mm-hmm. You know, well, how, how is it actually going to help the person? And I think we yeah. all have that capacity, but it's, it's really easy to get, you know, jealous. I, I will openly admit sometimes that I'm like, how am I not fucking busier? Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you where, you know, what you start to think about, like, so if I go on a negative thing or I start to really question the business a little bit, you know, I'm like, I feel like I'm putting that out there. And then I switch that frame of mind when I'm like, no, like this is the service, like, right. Like this is what I can provide. This is fucking special. So it's not just like you're in my apartment. It's like, you're learning from a dude who's very good with kettlebell sandbags and crawling around and breathing. Right. Like, and that's (laughs) the winning combination. If I ever heard one, (laughs) it it really is. Right. Like, so if you're gonna, you know, maybe you don't like the gym, maybe you don't trust what you see happening in the gym. Maybe you want to listen to like my weird music selections and stare at Godzilla figures, whatever that might be that brings you in yeah. here. Like that's, that's cool. And that's what I have, but I'm not going to try to trick or oversell that. Yeah. Why you shouldn't be somewhere else. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Hey, um, let, let's backtrack a second. Unless you okay. have, do you have, do you have, do you want do you have a thought you want to finish up on that topic? Uh, I was just going to say when you were talking about MFF kind of bringing you in like more of a positive mood and like every time I leave from there, I feel like the most attractive, like coolest human (laughs) being ever. And it just like, I think that's just that place. It's when, when you, when you're, I've said this on previous episodes, when you, when you're around generally negative people and like folks, I, I am not Buddha, you know, I am not Siddhartha. Um, I'm far, 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 far from it. But 
you know, I, I generally like, you know, my, my friends and I, like, I come from like a, a questioning scene. I come from a group of outsiders. Uh, oddly enough, it's hard to even claim that as being outsiders now, but you know, people that didn't necessarily fit in and, you know, so you start to get a little sour, you know, like judgy, admittedly judgy. And to when you start seeing people express like true genuine kindness, like to one another and like, you know, that, uh, you know, that loving self-regard, it's, it's almost, for me, it was like, it was off putting at first. Cause I'm like, this, this has to be a gimmick. This can't be a thing. And then you're in it for a little bit and you're like, no, this is actually what we can all aspire to because, you know, it's okay to accept that like, maybe you run anxious, right? Like you're a nervous guy. Like I used to yeah. think like my anxiety helped fuel a lot of my creativity and a lot of the drive that I would get through work in my previous career. But now I'm like, you know, that's not a great side of my personality when I'm anxious because I'm not actually like the best person to be around when I'm anxious. It's not the best feeling that I feel when I'm anxious. So I try to work upon that. And, you know, I, I know one of the things that I'm really proud of myself lately is, you know, I travel a lot and I used traveling used to make me really freaking nervous, like about silly stuff. Like it used to just like, you know, and now it's like, you know, I've got packing down to a science, like, and I'm trying to like, I, I make a game out of like, can I get away with like one less pair of underwear, one less pair of socks, but like, I need that backup shirt. Cause what if I sweat? Like I try to pare everything down and you know, the amount of times I'm on a plane a year now is kind of outstanding to me uh, just because that would have given me like so much anxiety. And now like I, I realize my, my new MO is if I'm going to teach a course, I don't get anxious like the week before mm-hmm. I get anxious like the night before. Cause I want to deliver. Yeah. It's just the fact that I can stay calm that much longer now is like, you know, yeah. I feel like that's, that's my, my, my personality growing, developing versus getting stuck in it. I thought of something while you were talking that I wanted to talk about earlier with excess potential because it kind of went with what you were saying. He was saying, uh, Vadim, the Zealand, the guy, the guy who wrote the book, was saying that guilt is a form of excess potential. And like, I don't want to do this, but you see so many people who do bad shit and don't care. And then, the, yeah. you know, and a lot of times nothing happens and like guys like us probably hate those guys or at least we did now we're like they're fine that's just their lives i live my life but like with a lot of the things it's like okay well is this really bad so you saying like oh i put the only master rkc in new york on your thing if it's true who cares like just put it and like if you get people you'll just train them really well that's the you know? goal, but even like, the <laughs> thought process sometimes makes me question, right? It's like thinking about like, uh, if you've ever wondered like, hey, is this joke racist? The simple fact of like thinking about it, like, is it racist? Probably not yeah. racist. So yeah. when I'm thinking about trying to promote myself, but trying to like limit my ego, if I question is this like an ego driven thing, I'm like, shit, it probably is. <laughs> I, I have a, what I think is an, ex- uh, we might have to cut this. No, it'll be fine. Uh, an example of, I think, positive racism uh, <laughs> where, well, yeah, we'll, we'll figure this out. But my buddy, I was like talking about one of his friends. I was like, man, I thought that guy was so cool. And his response was, you think all black guys are really cool. So I don't know if that's racist or it's just me thinking people are cool. So that's kind of reminded me of that. That's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, it might be profiling, but it's positive profiling. But you didn't make the necessarily decision. Your friend made it upon you. Yes. I think you're fine. I think he might okay. be thinking a little weird. <laughs> he might be making some judgments, um, <laughs> but you're you're good. 
<laughs> it's a little but that's like like you know like uh I, I think there's certain elements like if you like certain type of music like the majority of like if you're really in a rap and and like solid rap you the majority of your artists are going to be black artists like doesn't mean you won't like eminem but it's like let's just say the majority i yeah. like films the majority of those actors are going to be asian yep i like godzilla movies the majority of those actors are going to be japanese or giant lizards or yeah, well, or Japanese inside the suits of giant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I want to go back to like you just starting to talk in the beginning of this about FCC. What was the what was the incident in your in? So let, let's clarify it. If you haven't gotten it yet, one of the things I love about Thomas that was fascinating when I met him, is, he's also a professional wrestler. Yes. Um, what was the incident that almost got you to leave training? Um, I, well, I was working on my podcast. Um, which and I want to talk I, about as well. Yeah, it was cool. I liked it and it's fun. And now, but like I was, try, I was working with a company and I thought I was going to work for them and it kept going interesting ways. And I got in my last match, I got like kind of hurt. Um, it was a weird injury with my knee where it didn't bother me most of the time, but like for a long time, like taking off socks hurt a lot. And that was like the main thing, but it was, it was weird because, like, I've never had any problems. And, like, for the first, like, two weeks, it was hard to, like, walk around and stuff. Um, so, I, yeah. And just stuff was weird. And I was counting on certain things happening, and they weren't happening. And then I kind of went into – I started looking into becoming a flight attendant because I figured then I could still travel and see people for my podcast. Uh and potentially just interview people in different cities like every weekend. I thought that could be a cool thing. Or even if I like launched a new one with like, Hey, I'm a flight attendant. I like fitness and now this. And then uh, I was outside of a Starbucks. It's right down the street in park Ridge. And I saw my buddy, Mike Bertoni, who used to work at the export with me in the South loop. Um, and I, and I like all of my jobs now in consideration. So I have nothing bad to say about any companies. But Mike, it was weird because Mike is like the most South Side like dude on earth. And to see him in like a Northwest suburb, nonetheless, I was like, yeah, you see, I have really bad like face blindness when I see people I don't know. And it, you know, like you see somebody in an airport and you're like, you shouldn't be here. Outside of the gym, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough when somebody's like actually, uh, especially when it's clients or, or people that take And they're in like human street, clothes. Street clothes. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, his wife recommended to me that there was an FFC opening up like around the corner and I looked it up and it wasn't listed yet because it didn't open in for another six weeks. But I ended up um, contacting HR and I had talked to them before and there was a weird incident, um, just like weird communication stuff. So I just like kind of let that pass. And uh, I emailed the head of HR and she's like, hey, we're having a job fair tomorrow at this place in park ridge and i was like okay might as well go so i put on like a fancy shirt that my hoodie then just like left fuzzies all over and <laughs> uh and i was ready to interview with this lady who was the head of hr and i was like okay she's not a trainer so i'll talk this way to her and it'll be all right and then i walked in and uh sarah ashadan who's i think that's how you say her last name my manager she was there and she's a uh, strong first instructor. Um, and she's been at the dome a couple of times. You've probably seen her before. And she walked in and we had gone to a couple education things together. A Mark chain workshop comes to, comes to mind. And uh, she was like, Oh, 
And then like, I was like, oh, well, I know like she's into like kind of the stuff I'm into. And we talked and it was awesome. And then, yeah, she decided to bring me on and it's close. Now I live a block away from the um, gym. But at the time I, I was at my parents, which is probably like a 10 minute bus ride, which is really easy also. That's awesome. So yeah. And then we, it was fun to like, I had always like, when I worked at gyms, it seemed like they had just opened and like whatever the rush of just opening hap- that happens with like training had ended. So I, so this time I was like, I'll be there when we start. The thing that was interesting about um, this gym, there's no other box gyms in the area. There's just like a lot of boutique stuff. So it was interesting to kind of get people to understand kind of how training worked. Um, so they'd be like, Oh, this was great. Can I do this every other two weeks? And it's like, well, you can, um, I don't know, you know, like it probably better if you did it this way, but like, then you're also thinking like, well, I need any clients. So it was like an interesting thing, but now we're doing really good business. And for like all the trainers going forward. And that was kind of my thing. I'm like, we just need to set this up and educate the community. And then it's set for the next, you know, however long this gym's around. So yeah, that's how I got there. Oh, that's awesome. Um, let's talk about wrestling for a little bit. Okay. So at what, how old were you when you decided this is something I want to pursue? So we were backyard, well, it's not backyard. We were basement wrestling in our basement at um, high school. I went to Prosser Career Academy in Chicago and there's Saturday detention. So we would wrestle in front of the kids that had Saturday <laughs> detention. Um, it was really interesting and weird. We would like, I was obviously the overthinking in me. I'd be like, oh, we got to book this, this, and this. And we, I've never really talked about my backyard wrestling. This is fun. Uh, we got to, cause it's kind of like, now it's cool. But before it was like, you don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would like book the shows and I was super into it. And I wrote like six months worth of storylines. We did four shows. So <laughs> that was very useful. Um, but somehow my friend became a triple crown champion after our first show. Like he oh, won wow. all the belts. He wasn't supposed to, but somehow he did. And, uh, um, so we did that for a couple of weeks. Then a kid, I was trying to think, because I was thinking about this last night. I don't know. You know, like, like there's like a tall kid and you don't know if he's actually tall when you're a grown up. But at the time he was tall, like, yeah, I've met a bunch of like guys who are really tall in their fifth grade. And now we're the same height. And I was like, oh, that's weird. You're like a tall guy. Um, but I think this guy was at least six five. So he powerbombed the guy and the guy put his arm down to brace his fall. And you're not supposed to do that. So he broke his arm. So we couldn't backyard wrestle anymore. Um, So I looked into some schools around Chicago and uh, I found one that was in Stone Park, Illinois, which is near River Grove, I believe. And it's not really a place like anyone should go. Maybe it's good now. (laughs) It's not really a place. It's a feeling. It's not where a 112-pound white-as-milk 16-year-old should go to, like, hang out in a garage and learn how to fall from a bunch of 30-year-old men. But that's what, exactly <laughs> what I did. Um, so I found there, the guy who ran it was named Sonny Rogers. He was a, um, I mean, I wouldn't say he was a jobber for the AWA because he, he won the television title at one point, but he had, like, a lifeguard-like gimmick. Um, I met him. My mom met him. She liked him. I got signed up. I trained there. I was 16 at the time in the Illinois, in the state of Illinois, I couldn't wrestle in Illinois. And there's like, 
you could kind of at that age only wrestle for like your home promotion. Uh, we did my first thing I ever did was a battle royal, and I came out like I was lost. I was a lost student looking for the library, and everybody <laughs> hit the ring, and I got chopped like forty times because that's like your right the passage of sorts. So my chest was like hamburger meat, and then uh, yeah, and then a couple more months passed by, and then the state commission actually dropped in Illinois. So I, I think I had my first match when I was like a little after I right before I turned 17. Oh, wow. And I remember people being like, ah, oh, he looks like a little kid. And at the time I was like, no, little kid, I'm a wrestler. And now I would be like, you're, you know, you're 120 pounds and like, you're wearing a wife beater. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, but you're, that's what you're supposed to be at seven. Like, I just looked like a 17 year old kid. Um, very, very different, but similar. Like when guys come into the NBA at 19 and people, or like, oh, he's skinny and this, this, and this. And it's like, yeah, but when that guy's 25, he's going to be a monster. Like, that's how 19-year-olds are supposed to look, you know? So it, It's funny how people, it, it's easy for people, and I think it, it, even more so now with the whole millennial bashing that happens, uh, where you forget that, like, those 17-year-olds, when they're 25, if they've been spending almost, you know, eight years mastering yeah. what they're doing, like, holy shit, at 25, people are great. So when you look yeah. at, you know, I still go see hardcore bands 30 years later, and the music that they wrote, they were fucking somewhere between 15 and 19 and wrote some of the most important music in my life. And it still holds up. Yeah. So this weird one when, when, when we cut it short, because we're in this weird point right now more than ever where I feel like unless somebody becomes famous, we judge it as like they're too young. You know, if somebody yeah. like breaks out in a movie or on a, on a, in a band, like it's a different thing. But if, it, if, if it's in a field, it's like, no, too young. What was... uh? It, it, coming out of wrestling school, so, so I was never really huge into wrestling. Like I, I know I went to like the first Saturday night's main event when I was a kid at Nassau College with Hogan versus Volkov. Yeah, and my dad took me, and my dad like and I like we didn't go to a lot of stuff together, but that was like, and I think that was one of two WWF at the time events that mm -hmm. I went to. And then somewhere in the mid '90s, I was kind of like unemployed, doing production assistant work and some script reading work. And I caught WWF Attitude Era with The Rock. Yeah. Doing like a, cutting a promo. And I'm like, what? Eh, I'm just going to watch this. And I, I was like transfixed by The Rock, right? And then just started watching and, and got caught up. And, you know, Stone Cold, Undertaker, uh, DX was, was still happening. Um, and then through that, Mankind was happening. It was like, I guess, mm -hmm. around the era of the Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker. Yep. Like 98-ish. Through, I think, I can't remember who, what, what guided me. It might have been Mick Foley guided me to ECW. And then I immediately was like, holy shit, I can't believe this stuff is going on. And the TNN show had just started. Yeah. So I got really into extreme championship wrestling to the point where, like, I didn't necessarily want to become a wrestler, but I wanted to go to a wrestling school. Like, I wanted to learn how to take a chair shot and how to go through a table. I know that's really self-destructive sounding, but, folks, you got to yeah. do, like – as hobbies, I was skateboarding my entire life or BMXing, like literally just falling on pavement all the time. So the physicality of it uh, was something, uh, I, I like the storytelling and I don't think, and, and, and sort of uh, the storytelling in terms of like the mic delivery, but also mm -hmm. in terms of actually the storytelling. In the match, yeah. You know, which I don't think people realize is even a thing. So I appreciated that as a director and as a writer. And, and then the physicality aspect of it, especially when I started to see guys like Sabu and Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn 
um, just doing insane stuff, you know, uh, Ray Mysterio Jr. And so there was a, a small shop. I wish I remembered the name of the guy in the shop that was in Queens off of the L.A. Was it an RF video store? Uh, I don't think it was a direct RF video store per se, okay. like named RF video, but like he, he's, I would get tons of RF videos from them. Yeah. From, we had one in Journey Mills. Yeah. And oddly enough in the Queens center mall at the same time, I was living in Regal park Queens at the time there was, there was like a, an actual wrestling, like a pagoda, like a little booth in the middle of the mall that was selling stuff. So very quickly I started just scooping up tapes, you know, like Dudley Boy, like best of the Dudley Boys, best of Mick Foley, best of, you know, Sandman, Raven. Yep. Yeah, all that stuff. So this guy was an independent wrestler and I saw him wrestle once, the owner of the shop. And he started to ask about a school. And then I don't know what happened. Like, you know, ECW started to fold. Yeah. Um, and then they were, you know, I, I fell out of it for a little bit. And then the whole, like, it came back in the invasion angle for a little bit and one yep. night stand. And, and then once they did that horrible ECW relaunch, I, I just, I couldn't fucking stomach it. You know, when they had like the zombie come out and the goth Dracula guy, um, I fell out of it. But like I said, every now and then I, it's like, it just pops up and I start watching all of this shit. Uh, what was, what was like, uh, what was the era of wrestling that really got you into it? And then in terms of like your actual jump into performing in front of people more often, like what kind of time frame are we talking about? Like what kind of vibe? My earliest memory in life is honky talk man hitting Jake Roberts with a guitar and breaking his neck on the snake pit. Like that's no the first shit. thing I remember. Yeah. So that Do you mind before, me asking, how old are you? I'm 33 now. So that was before my, I was less than two when that happened. I was going to say, because, like, I was in elementary school. Like, I'd say yeah. I was probably in middle school at that time because yeah. I'm much older than you. That's the first thing I remember, period. Um, wow. So, I, I, and I never, like, a lot of people, even wrestlers have, like, a time period where they stopped watching wrestling. I never stopped watching it. And, you know, like, we can, I, I feel like there's, a, um, like, comic books, cartoons, and I don't read too many comic books, or I have, you know, but, like, I still watch cartoons. I still watch wrestling. Like, I, I like, my, you know, not to be, like, try to sound like it's, it's cool to be a nerd now, but, like, definitely a fucking nerd. And Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting how uh, we, we, we can talk about how it's all changed now, too. It's kind of like you're a nerd if you like something that not everyone universally likes. <laughs> it. Just a side note, right? So we're living in an era. This is, this is blowing my mind, right? We're living in an era within a four-week period. We've had oh. Avengers Infinity War, Deadpool 2, and Solo opens. At yeah. the time that we're recording this, Solo opens tonight. I always... Massive movies in one month. And again, I've, I've rallied against the bitching and moaning and, 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 you know, thieving of our childhood that people are calling about. This is the most amazing time yes. to be a nerd, to be a geek. Um, a, if you were going through school now, you'd probably be able to get laid a lot easier now. <laughs> everyone kind of knows what you're talking about. That wasn't the thing back then. But the level of, of, of quality and money, whether you like the movies or not, you can't, they're not just flippantly making them. I mean, DC, we can talk about but like total side yeah. note yeah for because we actually had uh <laughs> thomas had me on his podcast we actually did a comic book movie yeah that's fun um just side note we're gonna go back into that being a geek thing and, and, and keeping a real thing 
um, that you never stop watching. But I just I had to take a moment to be like, I, I can't believe that we get to see, especially right now, all three of those things happening. Jurassic Park's around the corner. I mean, holy yep. shit. You know, anyway, another because I've just been thinking about the summer of Josh that Josh Brolin's having, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Did you ever see a movie called Sicario? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The sequel comes out next month, too. So like, oh, no shit. Owning this summer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I think about like in 95, like the superhero movies were like Steel and Spawn. And, and now, Spawn like, was such a letdown. So yes. Spawn, 95 Spawn for me was I was graduating film school. I wanted to make the Spawn movie. I wanted to write the two movies that properties that I ever had interest in writing as coming out of film school was I wanted to make the GI Joe movie and I still have the fucking opening in my head and I wanted to yeah. make the Spawn movie. I uh, think they're making a Snake Eyes movie. So they you know, are, yeah, right? Just... Um, I had really good vision for that. And then oddly enough, when that Spawn movie came out, I was working in de- as a, as a uh, freelance office assistant at Industrial Light and Magic Cell office in New York. So I got to go to an industry screening of that uh-huh. <laughs> and that movie, sorry, folks, that movie sucks it's, really yeah. bad. But, but the HBO series. Yeah, the HBO show was cool. Really good. <laughs> that movie's cut so poorly, Spawn, the feature, the live action one, that there was literally a reel of the movie missing, and nobody thought it was any more jarring than any of the other edits. Because there's all those like cape wipes and fire wipes, and they yeah. cut in and out of stuff, and the story's all over the place. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, it sucked. I remember waiting for, you know, Tim Burton's Batman movie. I still have my folks' house. I think I finally threw them out. You could find, like, uh, comic book news and Starlog magazines at my folks' house from, like, the whole, like, year and a half leading into the first Batman movie. Did you watch that um, documentary that, or miniseries that just went on Netflix called Evil Genius? Yes. That guy's cane gun reminds me of when Joker pulled the gun out of his pants to shoot down the Batwing. Like, that's all I could think. Like, so somebody true. saw that and actually made it. And that was the coolest thing when I was a kid when I saw that in the theater. And then there was the Batman cereal, which was just Captain Crunch, but it was Batman-shaped. And I hated that fucking Prince song. I hated it. I hated it. I, that whole uh, part of the movie is... Bat Dance or Party Man? Uh, Bat Dance in particular, because that was the more popular music video. Anyway, we digress. Go back to wrestling. We're, we're, we're going off topic. Let's go back. So, yeah, to- I, was, I was a Hulk Hogan kid. Definitely a Hulk Hogan kid. Um, I um, WrestleMania 6 was pretty heartbreaking when Hogan lost to the Ultimate Warrior. I almost stopped watching wrestling, which would have changed my life incredibly. I did not. And around 92 is when... So, there's a thing... I think you can just tell when there's mastery going on at any age. So, like, I really liked watching Rick Rude and Ted DiBiase. I didn't like them because they were bad guys, but I just, you could just intrinsically feel how good they are. So, in 92, um, I mean, I liked the Rockers because they were like, they were smaller guys, and I was pretty sure I was going to be a smaller guy even at that point. And uh, so, when Shawn Michaels um, famously, super kicked Marty Jannetty and threw him through the barbershop window. I became a really big fan of Shawn Michaels as a bad guy. So I was like the first bad guy I really liked. And that kind of got me looking more towards uh, what they would call work rate, which is more about like, that's more, I mean, storytelling is definitely a big thing with it, but it's more about like what they, you would see more in Japanese wrestling or like a, you know, Bret Hart, like the guys who are just going out there and wrestling for 45 minutes, hold for hold, move for move. Um, so yeah, Shawn Michaels was my first. I remember going to school and telling people he was your favorite wrestler. It was called a lot of words that 
human beings shouldn't be called, but it's okay. Um, so yeah, and then that kind of got me more going in that direction. And he was probably my favorite till he like retired. And then I kind of lost. I remember he retired and people were like, oh, that's it. And I was like, oh, man. Like, and it just like, there were all these rumors, because that's how wrestling works, about him coming back and he never did. And then when he finally did, he was like better than ever. And it was crazy. And I've kind of gone back and watched. We didn't have cable for a while while I was wrestling. So like, I've gone back and watched his matches now from then. And he's just, he's a master. He's probably my favorite wrestler ever. He's a lot of people's favorite wrestler ever. He's the reason I could do kip ups really well. Um, just because I want to <laughs> be like Shawn Michaels. Um, so yeah. And then seeing the rise of the cruiserweights in WCW in like 96. Um, so like Ray Mysterio, D Malenko, Eddie Guerrero. I was a really big Chris Benoit fan, even in 92. Um, he did the dragon suplex really fucking cool move, especially when you're like eight. Um, so um, who else were some guys? They had all the luchadors come over. Juventud Guerrero, Psychosis, Ciclupe, like Chris Jericho had his heel run in 98, which is some of the best. I mean, he's amazing. He's still like, yeah, at, at like cross promoting and just being like, he's doing some of his best work now. And that's 20 years later. And he has a band and he's on game shows and he does this and that. He's got and, a good like, podcast too. Uh, it, 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 yep. I'm subscribed to his podcast. Yep. And like, He's wrestling in Japan. He's just really good at keeping his options open. Like he was at the Royal Rumble and then he's wrestling for New Japan. And like, that's not usually a thing, but he's making it a thing, which is awesome. Um, so the, and then like probably like 2001, 2000, I bought some tapes from the RF video stand um, in Gurney of TWA, which was Shawn Michaels' promotion with his students. And he had two students in particular, the American Dragon and Spanky, which went on to be uh, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, who's like one of the biggest wrestlers in the world, and uh, Brian Kendrick, who's been employed by the WWE multiple times, another really good wrestler. And those guys were like, they were like younger, because like, the, I mean, Rey Mysterio is really young. He's still, I don't even know if he's 40 yet. Wow. Um, and he's been around for, you know, like over 20 years, because he, he started when he was like 13. Um, so those guys kind of opened up the window like, oh, you can maybe do this. And there was this independent tournament called the Super 8. Uh, Christopher Daniels was another big early influence on me. He's uh, in Ring of Honor. I He's remember awesome. hearing his name coming up from the independent scene when, yep. when I was kind of in my, in my uh, sort of in my deep dive. Yeah, he, um, he's also been extra. He does a lot of, I think, stuntman work now, too. And, like, if there's wrestling and, like, um, I think he was involved with Glow. He was, like, the referee. Um, so he's been in a lot of stuff. He's great. And I mean, he's got to be in his mid forties and he still like goes out there and does like double jump moon salts and like all these crazy things he was doing, uh, 20 years ago. So just seeing that kind of open up and like what independent wrestling was becoming, I, me and my four friends were all like, Oh, we're going to start training to be wrestlers. And then of course I called, I set up the thing. The other three guys don't come. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's how life works. And uh, so it was kind of cool. I mean, you were talking about it earlier. It was cool to go to wrestling uh, school and just be at shows. Because it's like when you're at wrestling, you're the biggest wrestling nerd. You want to talk about wrestling all the time. And most people don't want to talk about it all the time. Like they're okay talking about it a little bit. But then it's just, you're just surrounded by all these guys that are the biggest wrestling nerd at their high school. So that was like really rad to me. And like being able to trade tapes and like just like 
you start to get into like stuff you never noticed before. Like, oh, how does this guy grab a headlock? How does he hold it? How does this guy transition from that? Like all the finesse things that like, to a lot of people, they might appreciate them, but it's more like subconscious, you know, like they're just like, oh, that was cool. And then the, I don't think people appreciate or, or wrestling and, and you know, this could go for anything, but like wrestling at like the level of awareness, you know, especially now that we, you know, look, the secret's out now that it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's entertainment, but again, like a, a bump's a bump. Like it's, yeah, yep. there's ways that it's supposed to minimize, but like over time, you know, what do they, what do they call it? The bump card, right? Like you yeah. know, your body, everyone's body only has a certain amount of bumps it's going to take. But I think, you know, watching the tapes and talking to some people, when you go to an actual like low budget independent show, it is like a completely different thing. Because when someone slams on the mat or someone gets cut, like you see it, you see, you hear the slam and you see the redness on someone's back or you see the welt start to, you know, like happen like yeah. right in front of you that doesn't get picked up on TV. And then more importantly, what most people don't realize, and, and this was a little shocking to me, is how little to no pay is involved you know, yep. for, for many, many, many years. So I had a thing which was great. I used to work with two creative directors um, on some toy commercials at the last visual effects company I worked at. And their gig, they were professional wrestlers. There was the manager and, and the wrestler and the wrestler's gimmick. It was uh, Pete Bregman, it was Johnny Ledoux, Mr. Wonderful. And okay. his gimmick was that he had an entourage for all the expertises that he had. He was like the expert of everything, but he never mm-hmm. had the time to do it himself. So there'd be like a race car entourage member. I was the tattoo surrogate because he wanted tattoos, but didn't have time and didn't want pain. So I was the tattoo surrogate. Like that was his gimmick. So I got to go on Staten Island Public Access cable <laughs> television to, you know, promote a show that was going to happen in Coney Island. And of course I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm behind the scenes. Like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go to public access te- television in Staten Island and just see what this is all about. And man, it was like a super interesting scene. And, and, and it's just like, I mean, I hate to say it. I don't want to say it was seedy in the way that the people were gross in any way, because they weren't, but it was like the, 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 the low budget, low production value quality of it was was there and, and you know pete's a super bright guy like he was trying to do his best you know these are all like the the functions i'm not making fun of anybody these are the functions of the promotions that have limited funds and limited limited access to get out there outside of facebook you know or, or social media yeah. and so- then there was a guy we got to the there was a guy who came down i'm trying to remember the actual order but it's really unimportant but they were like, hey, are you going to be at this thing in Coney Island? He's like, I don't know. I don't know if I can, if, if I can you know, get on the train. I don't know if I can afford the train. And we're talking about like a path train, you know, like yeah. five, buck, five to ten bucks round trip. So here's this kid, not sure if he's going to be able to get to and from Jersey, basically, to Coney Island and back. Yet is going to openly, willingly, you know, risk life and limb. Because this is also yeah. at the time where, like, you know, there's a lot of high-flying stuff that happens now. Risk life and limb. And I don't think people realize that, like how committed folks are, how little return, how little the chance of return is and how dangerous it is. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because I have connected and with clients who like do improv, stand up, act, um, are in bands. It's very similar. Like you're, you're pretty much like, and like I had buddies and luckily most of the time I was wrestling, I had a job and that's actually why I became a trainer it was very for selfish reasons that I just wanted. And I remember they asked us at a meeting, they're like, why do you want to be a trainer? And everybody was like, Oh, I want to help people and this, which like, yeah, we do. But like, I was like, well, I want to be able to work out and do this. And I'm probably the only person in that room who's still a trainer. And I've helped a shit ton of people. 
but it was just like I was like why should we lie about this like we most people want to be trainers because they like lifting weights and you know like it, it's a cool environment um and so like I yeah I've connected like most of our weekends would start my two buddies from Iowa would come usually stay at my house like Thursday night we drive to Michigan Ohio insert any midwestern state for one night we'd sleep on floors we'd come back or we'd drive back to my parent my room uh, at that time was just my bed and then like five beds on the floor <laughs> so like it, we did my we would pack like 15 people down there and it just be like all right you know you got a spot on the floor you get a pillow you know like there were good blankets that people would call and there was seniority and stuff but that was just you know that's how i spent my like early twenties and late teens. Uh, and it was normal to me. Uh, I think it's with what my life is now. It's weird that that was normal, but it was just like, Oh yeah, that's what we do. We just, you know, Oh, they have a couch. That's cool. You know? And like, I like maybe split my head open that night. So I get to use the couch. So that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, but I feel, I feel like in any type of performing art, there's that investment in yourself and a lot of stuff I see now, I mean, a couple of my buddies have, you know, made it really big, but even like some of the dudes who like at different points I knew and like people would like be like, oh, that guy's no good or this, this and that. And now they're like top guys. And it's just like, you just don't quit. Like you're going to get better if you keep yeah. doing it. If you stop, it's like growing a following. If you stop, you'll never grow a following. If you keep going, you might, you know? So it's like what, you know, you're, you've already invested and I've quit quit i've taken sabbaticals twice uh <laughs> and it's like you just but it's like if i just stuck around like things would be totally better i also feel like my overthinking destroyed most of the things that i wasn't now if i do wrestle again i'll be like if i have fun the crowd will have fun so i'm just gonna go have fun and then i think everybody will have fun rather than being like this match has to be this this and this and if this guy does this and mess you know like and just overthinking all, which it's helped me where guys have like slipped on something. And I was like, Oh, I knew he was going to slip on something. So I'll just do this and then like cover it up like pretty seamlessly. But like me thinking like that, it's just energy where it's like, Oh, I can just have fun and everything will be cool. So. I think when we make things too precious, we fuck it up. Like you can yeah. have your heart in it, but like uh, we've got, whether it's training, whether it's wrestling, whether it's comedy, whether it's acting, yep when it's too precious or we feel we need it too much, I feel like it pushes it away. It, it, it like, it keeps it at distance versus like, let's just like enjoy the thing. Cause then we can be in it as opposed to trying to attain it. I'm thinking of moving to LA next year. And I have a couple ideas on ways I want to make money while I'm there. Training, obviously being one of them. Hand jobs but, being two, uh, two, three, four, five. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but like a lot of it is like, I just want to like have the minimal amount of like, instead of like investing everything and being like, I have to do this and it has to be like this, just like trying to be good, but like not putting that excess potential, like a minimum amount of excellence towards something. And like, okay, I know I could do this. That's cool. And if I'm making, like, if I have three jobs like that and they're all doing fine, I'll be fine. And then if like the other two are doing fine training will probably be better because there's no pressure on it to like be good. You know, I feel like that's just like how things have balanced out in my life so far. I think that's a really good way to go about it. I know like when I, when I quit my, my, my previous gig to become a coach, I, I knew like, you know, I think I can make a an okay living training, you know, and it's still in flux. Uh, but I knew I, I, I didn't think I would make 
I, I doubt I'll ever make what I made, you know, in the old life. Again, I'm not selling myself short. Who knows what happens? But, mm-hmm. um, but my, I, I really was like, well, you know, like people make a lot of money, get really stressed, and aren't happy. Yeah. And they have all the the quote unquote checklist, big ticket items that life is supposed to provide us. And I get caught sometimes because, yeah, I wish, you know, trainer life could be, I wish it was a little more consistent in terms of income so that, you know, I could really properly save and, you know, uh, strategies are happening to make all of these things, you know, Mm -hmm. move forward. But, you know, people might have like the cool car, the big house. And I don't mean this as a cliche, like as I walk down the street and I'll see in Brooklyn. So you see a townhouse and, you know, if it's an apartment building, like separated and someone's renting, if you don't see the staircase, it means that staircase has been blocked off. So it's one floor is one apartment, one floor is the other. But if you look through the window and you see the staircase, you're like, shit, they own the building usually. And I'm like, I want to, I want to own a building, but like a building here might be like two to $5 million. I'm like, that's not going to happen. Um, and I get pissed, but then I'm like, you know what? Like, I remember when I had a lot of money to like buy an apartment and I was fucking miserable and I didn't even know it. I had joy in the apartment, but I didn't have joy in the daily life outside of the apartment. And I think that's tricky and what you were saying also brought up i I don't know if i haven't finished watching the gary shandling the the zen diaries oh it's great but i've listened to a couple podcasts with him when he talks about it and for those that aren't aware you know gary shandling we know him as a comedian in in the tv show but he really did a bunch of self-practice to try to fully remove himself from what he was doing to just allow himself to be what he was doing and that sounds so like you know hippy dippy in a way but it's like really when we get out of our ways i think good things happen and yep. i find that that's like happens to me a lot i think too much about it i get in my own way time passes just trying to process these thoughts as opposed to like oh, i could have done it yeah i think and like with money and stuff it's i mean because really are and this is some of the stuff i've like different youtube vloggers i've watched the money isn't what we really want like money's cool, but we want the freedom that money could provide us with. So if you have enough money and you have a lot of freedom where maybe with your past career, you didn't have the freedom, but you had more money, but the, you're looking for the feeling more than the possession, you know, like that could be why you like this, you know, like it makes sense that you would be more comfortable with life like this. Yeah. I could live a way simpler life. I, I because of joint custody with the kids is you know like we are you know and i want to be near my folks but we're like fixed in 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 an expensive place to live just a area not necessarily our apartment we actually got a Mm -hmm. deal on this place for how much space we have but you know i could be very happy moving into a lower cost of income place i would love to have a garage gym i would like to have weather where i could train out back to and you know have my little communal spot for people to come and train small group and also do my online training and travel and teach courses and you know i don't need to be rich at all the financial pressure in new york and i'm sure in areas of chicago and i'm sure in areas of like la you know certain towns that pressure is fucking real because it's just this neighborhood like i can look you can look out a window in any direction for me and there's a new condo going up but it's aside from that like i've really come to grips where like i don't really need a lot like if there's if there's a movie theater a concert venue a tattoo shop and a comic book store and i don't even really read comic books anymore but like for the kids and just i like to go yeah boys and you know quite frankly i like to look at like the bright colors yeah Yeah. you know if i if i can make that criteria i can cover my own gym i can make that happen um i'm pretty good you know and then friends obviously yeah but you know we get caught in this 
what is, what is, how do we define career success? Like by my achievements, just in terms of what I've been able to do, I'm like, fuck. Like if I cashed out tomorrow, I feel like I've, I've reached a lot of people. I, I've been able to do a ton of shit. I never thought even came with being a trainer. Like this idea of having a podcast and writing blogs and traveling to teach other trainers. I had no idea that this was a thing. Yeah. Right. Like, especially cause you know, I came up as a member, like who the fuck knew that yeah. this would be happening. Uh, I'll say it like you, I think they were the second podcast I was ever on. And the fact that someone wanted to talk to me to hear my voice, the fact that people listeners, the fact that so many of you repeatedly listen to my voice every week blows my mind and it's kind of fucked up because i don't like my own voice <laughs> i don't think anybody well actually that's wrong we don't but there are lots of people who do but i think a lot of people don't <laughs> um hey let, let, let's actually speaking of podcast land so yep. uh you had a very good show mm -hmm. i'm gonna just be very blunt what happened we hit like you hit like what you have like 18 to 20 episodes yeah uh well i was i was working with my um the one company and it, we were taping and we had a bunch in the can, but it was just, I think if I do that again, it'll be better if I just do it on my own. Um, I have an idea for what I think is a better name uh, this time. Uh, that's one of the things. And I kind of want to pigeonhole, or I don't want to make it just fitness people. Cause I had a couple of, when we did a special episode where we just talked about comic books and none of the episodes were just like, what's the best scheme for hypertrophy, you know, like, yeah, but, uh, I really like doing it. Um, I, I, but I like, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are, um, you know, pro wrestlers and like, I have like friends and now I have clients that are like improv actors. So I kind of like want to make it more about like health, but in the whole general scope of things. So that could be a thing. I might wait till I get to LA. Um, but yeah, it was, that was a very like, LA thing to say. It could be a thing. I might wait till I'm in LA. <laughs> yeah. Tell, um, tell the listeners what, what the name of the show was. Uh, the Fitness Medium Podcast. And I think it's still on iTunes because I think one of my coworkers just downloaded some of them. It's, it's still there. I, I looked it up. And, and folks, check it out. Like Thomas, is, uh, it was a great show. I, I'm going to openly admit, um, I, I don't like listening to a lot of fitness podcasts. Um, they, they can tend to be repetitive and they can tend to feel very self-important. And I think sometimes this show might verge on that a little bit, but uh, hopefully not. But uh, uh, similar to you, like, I didn't want this just to become a fitness podcast. I wanted it to mm -hmm. be like, you know, uh, wherever Fury culture is, we hit that. And I caught myself becoming too fitnessy. Hence, we just had a, a Godzilla episode, focused episode, and an Avengers focused episode. Yeah. And uh, Andrea Delizia and I are going to do when Jersey Shore wraps up, we're going to have a Jersey Shore oh, that's good. wrap up yeah. episode. But so let, let's talk about this for, cause a lot of my friends are starting fitness podcasts and, and, you know, again, the strength faction guys are responsible, Todd Bumgarner in particular for this one actually finally happening. Awesome. And I know I picked your brain when about gear and stuff, when, when you were chatting with me uh, is, so when you set this up, did you have like a, a corporate sponsor or, or, or a producer? No, my buddy was just helping me. And, uh, we did have a producer who is actually in New York and, um, he did some editing stuff I didn't care for, which, but now to like, go back and look at it, it's just like with wrestling. It's just like what fitness could have been, but then I fixed it. I just put too much shit on it. You know, like I, I could have just had fun. I really like talking to people. I could have relaxed and I was like, Oh, we have to do this. And like, 
this one has to go out this day and like weird sh- and like now i see so much with that like kind of reality transurfing like the day my buddy tweeted out our nba episode twitter like went down <laughs> so like there was just like weird stuff to, like make things not happen so i i would say just like be cool just do what you got to do have i would say it would be good to take pressure off have a bunch in the can before you start i think we've taped about 10 um we also taped one with my buddy who's a big wrestler for wwe but then we, it wasn't cleared so there's just so many weird oh, things God. that had i like just been chill or like put a better energy out and this could be totally wrong but maybe they would have worked out a little bit better but yeah um a couple tips i would say have some in the can um you could if you need a producer you could probably if you don't have a friend that could do it you could find one on fiverr um you could also find cover art we had good cover art my extra roommate who's a pro wrestler he wrestles as zima ion he's a impact wrestling tag champion right now uh he just did that a couple days ago at least it aired a few days ago um it happened like two months ago um uh also when you launch if you kind of can launch like three episodes that first week because they don't totally know how the itunes algorithm works but it's just like if people download all three then that you know that's three you know three downloads compared to one putting up a preview episode might be good too because then you know when your feed's online um so you can have one that's just like a five minute thing and you don't even have to promote it but just so you know like now when we put stuff and it's approved by itunes yeah uh yeah those are kind of the little things that i think would be helpful um and just like have fun and don't overthink everything in the world <laughs> like i do <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. So I started this after, you know, I've been literally thinking about it almost a year and a half, like what I wanted, I had an idea. I'm like, I have a lot of cool friends that, uh, you know, both that are somewhat names in the field, and I think should be names in the field. And let's, I have my mission statement, like, I want to talk about whatever we, we normally talk about, basically, like after a cert, or after a class, like just hanging out, take down any artifice of brands and uh, philosophies, um, you know, sort of corporate initial identity and like, like just be ourselves and talk about what we normally would talk about. Cause I think sometimes people, uh, not that I'm any sort of celebrity in any way, but sometimes when like you lead a course and you go out for lunch or dinner or drinks after there's this like expectation that you're somehow going to be different. And I think to some degree, I am going to say, I think the old RKC, um, perpetrated that a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like all the leadership would sit at a leadership table and if you made a joke, you know, there might be a threat of a workout the next day versus just like fucking hanging out, talking like we're talking like, yeah, yeah, that shit used to happen. Um, and so that was the original goal. But I kind of like once once this blog and, and folks, I can't share it. You had to be a part of Strength Faction if they put it out one day. But if, you, if, you, if you're looking for help, don't flood me, but I can give you some basic advice. Uh, and I would also really take what Thomas said uh, to heart. The thing that I would say if somebody's thinking about doing a podcast is this. There's two ways. So I've actually like been researching now. So this was just like super like I have a headset that I got from when I was on the Superhuman Strength Show. Uh, Ray Tulaney, thank you, Ray, was like had very detailed in his podcast. Was like, I listened to that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> first podcast I was ever on. Um, it was like I suggest you getting this headset because the sound quality is going to be better. Um, yada. So once I figured out how to do it, like I just – I didn't look at overall quality. I knew I had some mixing capabilities. I knew from my, my, my background, I had some idea, but I'm like, I just need to do this and stop putting it off. 
right? And I've learned a lot. And then like the artwork that I got came very naturally, like when Glenn Urieta reached out to me about doing the Godzilla art. Um, oh my gosh, so many ideas for your Godzilla picture. I can't wait to hit him up on this one. Um, <laughs> and then just, you know, thanks. You know, I did the preview thing as a test just to put the word out. I didn't even think about iTunes at first. I just put it up on SoundCloud. But now I'm researching. Like, so I'm thinking about like, I've heard that SoundCloud might not be, sorry, SoundCloud might not be the best host for podcasts. So I'm looking to maybe potentially move this over. I finally, you know, as I've said, I, I said, I set up a Patreon account. Uh, I, I was a patron for the Fitcast for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was saying like, hey, if anybody wants to donate to the show, I'd like to invest some money in gear. But aside from my hosting fees, I'm like, I can't afford to put more into the show to create free content because I want to just create the content, right? So yeah. instead of me doing another kettlebell swing video every week, like folks, you get to listen to cool people um, talk with me. Finally, I got a nice new microphone, right? I got the Blue Yeti. Um, I've, I'm, I'm learning more about this stuff. Uh, I've got my production. It's funny. I went back. Uh, I, I submitted a sample from Fisher, and I look at how my GarageBand files. Like I've gotten so much better, uh, and mm-hmm. mixing and putting the pieces in together. Like it, it's great. But folks, just like so, th- there's two schools of thought. You can invest the thousand dollars in the gear, and you know, try to produce it really polished show out the gate. Um, but if you find that as an excuse. Just, just fucking start making podcasts because you're going to get better. When I think about how I, I present myself now, at least I think, I come across a lot better, a lot more natural in guiding these, these uh, conversations. So those are the two things that I would say. But like, look into who your host is. Look into who might have a more connect to get on to, you know, iTunes folks is a, is a pretty easy get. You have to like, yeah, they're pretty good. Spotify is like kind of like has a very weird barrier system google play is fine um mm-hmm. stitcher was no problem stitcher yeah that was uh, the first one we were on yeah so you know i started on soundcloud but then you know i've heard that in terms of promotion and algorithms some are better than others yeah. um i would say just um and i've seen this meme like three times this week so obviously i'm supposed to see it but it's about how coca-cola only sold like 25 bottles the first year so just start you'll get better more people will listen it doesn't have to be perfect at first it's probably going to take people a while. So like I had Charlie Weingroff on my podcast and I thought we had a really good conversation. We talked a lot about wrestling. He talked about Papa Shango. It was awesome. <laughs> and, um, and we talked about wrestling for 20 minutes and then we got into fitness and this, this and that. And my buddy Todd, cause I just got so like, Hey everybody, can you help? Can you listen to this? Rather than it organically happened. Um, and like my buddy Todd, like four or five months after it aired, or we put it up, he's like, yo, that was like my favorite interview I've ever heard him have. And it was like, oh, like, this is still helpful. Like, you know, it doesn't matter that they didn't listen to it that week. Like, they're still going to enjoy it. And you're still getting what you want out of it. So like, once again, not putting the pressure on it and just get started. It'll get better. It's like blogging, like start writing. In 100, you'll be better. You know, in 10, you'll be better. In two, you'll be better. And it's just like you learn from that. And I'm definitely going to have to get some tips on how to actually edit because I was a prima donna before and didn't have to do that. So I'll have I, help me I, out I, with I that. can help simplify, like, the yeah. elements, like my intro, my button, my, my outro, all, all that stuff now awesome. is, like, pre-mixed items that I've just – I've gotten better at GarageBand. Cool. And, and I'll say this, folks. Like, you will get better. And, and you know, the flip side of this is, is like – I, I didn't make a podcast because I wanted to make money doing a podcast. Like I have to admit this podcast has become a surprisingly 
uh, rewarding, fun thing that I look forward to. And it's actually like, I probably actually think about this more than I think about my own training throughout the course of the week. Cause it's like the fact that Thomas and I, we haven't gotten to hang out in a really long time. We used to run into each other a lot more often. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's great to get to hang up, hang out together. Now we're seeing each other on a video conference, but it's also cool that we get to share this. Yeah. And with the people that I've had on the podcast that I've either known or not known, gotten to know better here. Um, now would I like to be able to make money so I can do less of something else? Yes. But none of the great podcast hosts, like, so for me, it's like Chris Hardwick or Joe Rogan are two of the tops for me. Right. Yeah. Marin. Yeah. You know, I just started getting into Marin actually. Yeah. It, Neil Brennan was on there this week. I need to check that out. He's a really yeah, it, it's guy. In, yeah. I've got I've got him on my phone. I haven't listened yeah. to it yet. I, I just got done with the Josh Brolin one, which was awesome. Oh, I didn't check that. I yeah, have that on my phone. It's uh, really good. It made me an even bigger fan of Josh Brolin. But like, you know, Chris Hardwick will say, you know, they didn't make any money for five or six years. Yeah. And so if, if you're really thinking about just selling to instant sponsorship uh, or instant advertisers, like you have to have a following. And yep. this show... As I have joked about it many, many times. You know, I, I get about 128 more listens than I thought I would every episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I hit like, you know, a 180 to 200 and something. But it is over time because when I share that an episode's out, say I get an average of, you know, if we look at social media, say I get an average of anywhere from five to 30 likes that an episode's out. I might get a total of like three to 10 comments about somebody liked the episode or thanks for coming on or whatever. But when I look at my actual analytics, my stats, there's almost like 700 listens a week, you know? So that means it's finding an episode and then someone's going back to the beginning probably, very picking who they want to hear and then going back and filling up the gaps. So like the first, you know, the current episode, like when I did the Godzilla only episode with Brian, where it was just like, we were just literally an episode of talking Godzilla. It didn't do well out the gate. Three weeks later, it's actually kind of on par with, you know, chatting with Iron Tamer, you know, uh, yeah. which is like, that's the goal for me is that like, yep. if, if you like the total fucking geek culture of and fitness culture, of what I provide, like, you might be stoked to have a fitness episode, you know, we talk fitness, now we're talking, oh, fuck, man, we really didn't even talk much fitness, we talk psychology yep. and wrestling. Yep. It's, it's still real to me. Nah, I get it. <laughs> Enough of it is actually very real to me. Um, so keep at it, folks. But if you think this is going to be like online training or another make money quick gig, like it's just not worth your time. Because like, you know, what, what, what Thomas said was important last time. Like if you get one new client twice a week, that's a lot of money a month. A podcast ain't necessarily going to bring you that quick cash. Like you got to want to do it and feel like you want to talk to people. Because I think we've probably all heard podcasts where you're like, I don't know why anybody wants to be on this thing right now. Other than to say like, hey, I have a podcast. Yeah. Uh, folks, check out all the episodes of the fitness medium, though. It, it's a solid show, and I look yeah. forward to uh, I look forward to it coming back. It, it'll be something different, but it'll be good. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, uh, 2.0. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yep. Let's talk about one last thing. This is a fucking yep. long one. Are you good for time? Yeah, I'm great. I'm not, I'm working out around two. I'm booked like four, five, six, seven, eight tonight. So it was like the perfect day for us to do this. Sweet. So let's let's just get this. The, the, we'll hop onto this last thing because I mentioned I wanted to talk to you about your picture of you, your one arm hang, hanging Elsa. Right. I get the sense from your training and what I've always appreciated from you, and you can tell me like, hey, Fury, that's a completely fucking wrong impression of what I do. Uh, is you really do look not just from the strength standpoint, you look at the movement quality standpoint. Um, yeah. It reminds me a bit about, you know, uh, 
Chimpy, you know, Josh Chimpy Halbert, when he would post his videos of, you know, not just about like, check out how heavy my press is, how heavy my getup is, how heavy my deadlift is, but like really just like trying to have ownership of movement. Um, Cause I think that's actually like a, you know, people forget that that's actually like the truest form of strength in my opinion. There's like maximal strength and then there's like how we need to move through life. Um, yeah. So where, where do, is, is that like a true assessment to some degree? Like what, what would you say is the essence of your training philosophy for yourself? Def, that definitely is true. I, um, I just feel like there's so, miscon- so many misconceptions of things that typically make people feel bad, like regarding weights and different things, you know, how much weight you lift and stuff like that. And one of my things I always talk to my clients is like, to me, someone who's strong can pick up a two and a half pound dumbbell and beat the shit out of themselves because they control everything so much. Um, I think a lot of it comes from wrestling because we had to be so crisp and we had, you know, so like a lot of the stuff I do, I have a really good resting squat and it's, that's also connected to people are always like when I'm at certs, I just sit like that. You really do. I've I've noticed that shit because I can't hang like that. It's something I try to like work towards. So that's from, I was a scared human being my whole life and I would sit like that all the time because I didn't want people to notice me so the first like 20 years of my life 30 years of my life that was like that's just me like trying to like stay out of sight and now it's like oh that's awesome so it's like from like kind of hating myself for like 30 years I got this cool side effect and then from and then I've just always kind of it's just interesting to me and I always try to figure out different uh, now like tempos and all this stuff. And I've always thought like different type of gymnastic things were really cool. And I'm not like people see me do stuff and they'll be like, Oh, you, you should be a gymnast or you should be a uh, American Ninja warrior. And I used to always say like, no, those people are like really fucking strong. Cause I don't want to make myself out to be like those guys. And then people kind of look at you like you're a dick because you're just telling them they're wrong. <laughs> so now my thing is just like, yeah, I should be, you know, <laughs> like, but I, I just like to, uh, with everything, I just like, I want to see, I want to make sure I'm feeling the right things as I do it. And there's a lot of like, just, uh, that's one of the reasons I really like the ultimate sandbag is just the amount of creativity we can have in these things. And like, I don't care if it's like, this is the pro, you know, protocol, like what people think is what you're supposed to do with a movement. Like, I'm just going to do whatever has me feel the most, feels the things I'm trying to feel the most or my clients to feel those things so I can um, accomplish what either I'm trying to accomplish or they're trying to accomplish. Um, the weird, uh, something I've thrown in recently and I've been thinking about it as like easy hypertrophy, kind of like easy strength. Every day I go on a seated chest press and do three sets of 20 and I do three sets of 20 on rows. And then I do 15, three sets of 15 on bicep curls. And like, I haven't done that in like years. And I'm like, and it's just like automatic. And I know some people will be like, Oh, you just wait and this, and this, this. And it's literally because I read Michael B. Jordan did that in his black Panther workout. And I was like, you know, I've been doing the other stuff for a while. I'm just going to do this, but I'm going to treat it as like a supplemental, just like I'll get this done. And like me 10 years ago would have been like, oh, that's useless or this, this and that. And it's like, no, if it like, if the goal is for your 
chest to look better, it might be a really good exercise. <laughs> People really lose sight that some of those old things, and I know I, I've probably come across this, you know, the old, like the old, like, you know, six day a week split, you know, I, that's what I used to do without knowing that it was bodybuilding, but it was bodybuilding as opposed mm-hmm. to strength training. Uh, Cause there is a difference, but yeah. you know, that like, if you're training for aesthetics, like that is a way to go. Now, is it long-term the best necessarily for the joints and whatnot? Yeah. Is it joint friendly? Probably not. Is it okay for a month? Most likely. Yeah. yeah. You know, so part of me's, you know, right now I train from home all the time, but there's, I have a frozen membership at the local Harbor Fitness down the, like two blocks away down the street. And I'm like, you know, part of me wants to go back on like, like, you know, some sort of just a real simple old school split. Um, because I don't use barbells, uh, not uh, hardly at all actually anymore yeah. myself, because I train from home. It's mostly kettlebell, sandbag, body weight. And you know, I, when you sit in the gym and you watch people just, especially it tends to be more dudes, um, train in an, this is going to sound douchey and folks, I don't want to do, but when they train in what we would consider uh, an uneducated progressive fitness way, when you look at them and you see that they're actually seeing results. Now, I don't know how well they feel. It's like finding that middle line, right? Like it's, it's like, you know, sometimes it's going to be fine to play around with that. So yeah, yeah. Like when it's also the same, when you see a celebrity training, you're like, Oh, they should never do that. I'm like, well, you know what? That trainer is getting paid a shitload of money. And clearly that person is visualizing the results. I, one of the things that like, this is, and this kind of goes with what you just said, and this is where I think it goes too far is like hearing stuff like, oh, I tore my rotator cuff benching. And it's like, you don't fucking have to bench press. Like you don't have to, you know, like if it, when it gets to that standpoint and it's like, oh, I, you know, like I did whatever to my back deadlifting. And it's like, well, you could rack pull. Like I've, I've been playing with different variations, like single leg deadlift rack pulls, Jefferson deadlift style rack pulls. I don't know if I ever want to pull from the floor again and that could change tomorrow. But like right now I'm like, Oh, let's see what kind of cute shit I could do like this. Um, yeah. And it's just like what people, and then, I mean, there's the other side where people are like, Oh, that's not functional. And it's like, well, is every, anything really functional? You know, like, it, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, one of the things I definitely picked up from MFF, I mean, and you do it like inherently, like I, we were doing it at, at, you know, making modifications at five points, wherever I've taught as well is like, you know, you, 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 we lose sight that like a deadlift is a hinge, but a hinge doesn't have to be a deadlift. Yes. So, you know, and I know in my foundations class, it, it's station based and there's like, basically, you know, like, yeah, I call it the deadlift or swing station, but it's the hinge station. And as yeah. soon as people like, you know, what, what I try to do is cultivate that. Like if they feel like they, if they're capable of snatching and they want to snatch, they're fine. If they want to do swings, fine. If they want to do dead swings, fine. If they want to do yeah. deadlifts, fine. That's if they right. want to do your steps, like, it's just like whatever version of this thing feels for you today, it's the thing. And you might have swings and snatches, but today you don't want to swing or snatch. You just want to deadlift. It's like, it's the movement quality that I'm looking for in that station. That is going to be, you know, your posterior lower body quadrant. You're good to go. And then here's your squat station. Same thing, you know, like where it's not just one or two, you know, up or down. It's like, yep. I, I want everybody to realize, all right, cool. Now I might yep. have a purpose in some of the classes where I want to be more specific, but again, like taking into how they're feeling that day, like fucking like the fact that they're there moving we get again preciousness right we get so precious about our program and like that's not cool or that's not enough or that's not the impact it's like well you know what like they're going to experience impact if they keep coming back yeah i have a client and i have him trap our deadlift and he's in his 60s he never deadlifted before and he trap bars and it's good he could do like one and a half times his body weight he's doing good he feels his hamstrings all the good things and he's like well when am i gonna work up to the barbell and i was like well do you like do you really care about that? And he was like, 
no, not really, but he just like thinks he should. And like, to me, I look at it as a standpoint of like, if we are thinking like function, like, which who fucking cares, but like, like if you picked up like a laundry basket, like you pick up a conventional deadlift with a barbell, it would flip over. Like nothing, you can't pick anything up like that except for that implement but a trap bar you could pick up a couch you could pick up a box you know it's like yeah so it's like why don't we just do this and you feel good and you're swing you're stronger than you ever been and you're doing better at golf which is all he really wants for some reason so but we're doing that so that's good but like not being like oh you have to do it with this thing because that's the thing we have to do it with um yeah. so many people at the like and this is one of the things, this is one of the only things I've kind of noticed at a box gym that I think could be kind of bad or bad's a shitty word, but uh, could be hazardous potentially. Um, that was me trying to say bad in a fancy way. Uh, but like that people think the walk off the street squat variation is a back squat. And it's like, no, that's really fucking hard. I've never had a client do that and they've been fine and they've gotten strong and they have good squats or like, that the only single leg exercise you do is grab two heavy dumbbells and do walking lunges and kind of fall side to side. Well, and you're really sore because you don't know how to use your abs, hamstring, or, you know, like any of those things that help you stabilize yourself. So, but uh, things will get better and we'll just, yeah. just keep getting better. <laughs> and again, like, you know, if somebody wants to back squat, I'm, I'm with you on that. We've had discussions about that at MFF where we've had uh we had an in-service where I'm forgetting the cat's names, but they were like, you know, this is our squat. You know, this is where we start. And I just think if someone it like wants to power lift, like, right. Like yes. literally like that's what they want to do. Okay. I could teach you a back squat. Yep. Do I think that that is a, a, a valuable, the most valuable squat for 90% of the rest of my population? No, I'll get them on sandbag, ultimate sandbag squats. I'll get, or variations. I'll get them on body weight variations. I'll get them now. Are they going to, you know, from barbell front squats, whatever. I'm yep. a big fan. Thanks MFF for the safety bar squat. Yep. Um, will I find potentially safer ways to get them a heavy squat? Yeah. Do I care necessarily how heavy the squat goes? If I can challenge it based on holding your body position, right? The glory of the ultimate sandbag and DVRT um, adding in that like, no, but like the, this idea of like how many, you know, folks trainers out there listening enthusiasts if, if this is you how many of us have had someone come in that like they want to get better at their technique because their back hurts either through a deadlift or a back squat and their back is sensitive as fuck right their lower back now some of that's breathing and stuff and some of that is like quite frankly there's a there's a, a moment where it's technique you know like obviously there's technique driven in it but most of the time it's because it's the wrong exercise on the person and they're pushing too hard and it's really hard to change that, that, that mindset. You know, I've had, um, I had somebody that, you know, just the back wanted to get up and get sore for everything. And his, you know, rate of perceived exertion of seven was probably actually pinning like nine and a half to him. Yeah. And that's where it's, so it's like, you know, if I can choose an exercise selection, a version that, even if he's thinking of that high puts him in a more advantageous position where it's not going to put the strain on his back. Like, fuck. Yeah. Like make your, make your job as a coach easier. Make your job. If you're the enthusiast easier, stop trying to just deal with back pain through better technique, right? Like maybe switch the exercise for a while, get stronger at another aspect. Um, I don't know. We get so focused. It's like, we all know when you, if you go to a PT cause your knee hurts, we have to look at all their stuff. 
Yeah. It's not just the spot of pain on the knee. And I think we think about that on the lift. Like I must just be doing one thing wrong because my lower back's on the squat. Like we can find other ways to make people stronger. And yet we tend to still get caught up on that. So yes, I fully, holy, that was a fun. Yeah. We get I, caught up I have that. a client who, um, a similar thing. She was like, oh, uh, we, she went to South by Southwest because she's like a badass. And uh, that was like two weeks. And then she did some other stuff. And we'd end up not training for like five weeks. And she's like, oh, my knee really hurts. And this, this, and that. And she's like, I could barely walk and da, da, da. And I was like, let's come. Just do a warm up. Let's see how things are going. And like, not that I did anything sensational, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure she just needs to like exercise. Like after not, and like I had her push the sled um, and like, you know, do some glute bridges, do some like lateral thingies, uh, very scientific. And, uh, and she's like, oh, my knee feel, you know, like it feels good now. And like, mm-hmm. who knows what, I'm not saying I'm a master, like we know this, but I was like, I was like, yeah, these are the things, like I wasn't going to like squat her that day or have her even stick to a box, but I was like, let's just see if moving and doing something helps. If it does, we'll do more of that. If it doesn't, we won't. And that's one of the things with the new clients I've got. And I'm like, I'm going to have you do these exercises. If you think it's like, you don't feel it where I think you should or anything like that, like, you know, like more like warm up techniques or if something hurts, don't do it. Like, I don't care. I'll come up with something else. Yesterday I had a guy, he's recovering from a spinal fusion and he's still in PT and he went there intently not wanting to like me. <laughs> and like, he was just very, <laughs> he just did not want to like me at all. And like, we talked and he, uh, and he was like, Hey, if this happens, I'm going to stop. And I was like, okay, good. Like you should stop if that hurts. Like, I'm like, I know. I'm like, I was like, what exercises did you do? And he's like, Oh, this, this, this. And I was like, so this, and I'd get on the ground and just do it. And he's like, yeah. And I was like in this, and I was like, okay. And then we did a couple things and like, I thought of something, uh, tandem stance is like kind of like a heel toe stance that some PTs use with like older people like I narrow that base of support. So I had him do a version of that where he was kind of like letting go and like um, of a wall in front of him, like a pillar. So he kind of did that. And then he tried to, he did that like 20 times and Neb would hold the pose and he could hold it a lot longer because he's kind of working up towards it. You know this. Uh, and he was like, his mind was blown. I was like, well, I could be creative in a way it's not like, it's not just like, uh, do a burpee and, you know, like this crazy thing, you know, and add, you know, jump on this. It's like, no, we could be really creative and get a really good stimulus from doing just the things people need to do. Ah, oh, so true. That's an awesome point. So let, let's start to wrap this up. Yeah, <laughs> a good one. Uh, I'm, I'm going to invite you if you'd be interested. We have to get you on. We're going to have like a, a, a comic book. We're probably going to do uh, the next Films of Fury episode in a couple of weeks is going to be Deadpool 2 and Solo. Awesome. So consider yourself invited to join the, the pod squad on that one. That'd be great. Uh, where, where can people find you on social media? Where should they follow you? Um, uh, let me look. I forget my... I think my Instagram is very anticlimactic. I was going to say, <laughs> you might want to rename it if it takes that long. Yeah. It's just my initials and my birthday. So it's TRK415. I post a lot of screen caps and dabbling a little more um, motivational thingies. I'm, you know, different re- reality trans surfing, mostly the stuff I watch on Netflix but then every now and then, and I need to do this more. And one of my goals on my little goal list is to post an exercise seven days in a row. 
so at some point I'll do that and uh, yeah, and try to get a little bit more like fitness oriented. Uh, but I just keep procrastinating on that forever. But I try to be kind of cute. <laughs> nice. Hey, Thomas, can you tell the listeners to die mighty? Uh, hey, listeners, pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> die mighty. Awesome. Hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. This is, uh, we could have made this the longest episode um, so far. It hasn't, but it's, well, it actually might be the longest standalone. Uh, Tamer and I, we we hit that that double episode. Uh, Dude, I I will definitely have you on for the Pod Squad episode. And uh, keep keep me posted. I'll let the world know. When you you launch your uh, new podcast from L.A., You got to go visit Steph Wilberding while you're out there at HK. That, that's a plan. Yeah. That's kind of on my list of things. Yeah. <laughs> Work with her. Yep. Get a job. Steph, <coughs> listen, hire Thomas. Um, <laughs> but dude, I hope to see you soon. I don't know when we're going to run into each other. I'm not Chicago bound. Yeah, it might be a little bit, but we'll figure it out. And we're seeing each other right now. So that's right. Yeah, this is, this is true. Let me know if you hit New York. I know uh, Mike Conlon and I were talking about doing some DVRT out there. But I know uh, Corey just did a, a workshop in Downers Grove, which is a depressing name. Probably be yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Downers. So we're, we're done, right? We're done now. Oh, we're still talking. Oh, we're still talking. Yeah, oh, say something fucking you need edited. Uh, anyway, on that note, everybody, uh, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for next week. Stay tuned. It's a podcast. Download next week's. Thanks, everybody. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, music, tour, and merch information. Artwork provided by Glenn Urieta. Visit glennurieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or visit him on Instagram at Glenn Urieta. Thanks, everybody. 